Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushville. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Soundprints for the week of January 3, 2016, and we hope that all of you have had a very happy holiday and started your new year off in fine style. At the beginning of each year, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Activities Committees holds an in-person meeting where we plan the calendar for the upcoming year. Patty Cox, chair of the Activities Committee, held the 2016 Planning Committee meeting at Denny's on Dutchman's Lane in Louisville on January 2, and representatives from the Guide Dog Users of Kentucky, Tri-State Library Users, and KCB Next Generation Chapters were there in addition to the GLCB Activities Committee members. We have found this to be a great way to not only coordinate activities of KCB chapters in Louisville and Southern Indiana, but also to avoid scheduling conflicts with other groups and organizations. It will also give us an opportunity to attend some local events as part of our Friday Roundabout programs. The first such special evening is coming up this coming Friday, January 8, at our first Roundabout of the New Year. Michael Cleveland, 1999 graduate of the Kentucky School for the Blind and award-winning bluegrass fiddler, and his band will be in town, and GLCB will be attending their January 8 show after dinner in place of the games and crafts activities at Roundabout. Plan on Braille, genealogy, and tech tips from 3.30 to 5 and dinner at 5.15. GLCB will provide transportation to the show venue by 7 p.m. Tickets are $10 and the show is just a few blocks from United Crescent Hill Ministries where the roundabouts are held. Call us at 502-895-4598 for more details and for information on times for return rides. Kim Charlson was our special ACB guest at the KCB 50 Golden Years Conference and Convention this past November. Kim has so much to share in so many areas that it is almost impossible to choose just one or two topics for her to talk about. Shortly after the convention, we shared with you her presentation to the Guide Dog Users of Kentucky about traveling with a guide dog. This week, we have included two more program items that we think you will find both informative and enjoyable. First, on page two, we meet Kim Charlson, the librarian. Kim is the regional librarian at the Perkins School for the Blind, and her library is part of the NLS system. It serves several states and offers some services in addition to the NLS programs to people throughout the United States. We think you'll find it very interesting. Check it out on page two. Kim was the Saturday evening banquet speaker at our convention. The audience was well-fed on a feast of fried chicken, roast beef, mashed potatoes, veggies and salads, and homemade pies and cakes. Kim then fed us well with timely information. Be sure to listen to her banquet address on page 3. And on page 4 is the Sound Prince calendar. Page 2 
Okay, next we have, uh, thank you, Charlie, by the way. Um, next we have Kim Charlson from, uh, who's Ace, pardon? Okay. Uh, we have Kim Charlson, who's uh, ACB president, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about her work at, uh, with their, her library services. We're going to learn about, uh, a little bit of what they do up in uh, Massachusetts. She's the uh, regional librarian at the Perkins uh, Brown Talking Book Library. Remember, you have to keep me on time, Rick. I told him when I, when I start talking about libraries, you know, I'm, I'm going to use that two hours that Oral Miller didn't get last night. So I'm the director of the Perkins Braylon Talking Book Library, which is the um, regional talking book library for the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped in Massachusetts. My library, I'll call it my library, I'm proud of my library. We were the winner of the 2009 um, Talking Book Library of the Year Award from the Library of Congress. And I, my story, really quick, goes way back to when, I, it really does go way back to when I was a little girl and I thought that I could read all the books in the library at the Oregon School for the Blind. So it was a tiny little library and I thought I could read them all. And I, d I never got close to reading them all, of course. Um, and initially I wanted to become an attorney when I was in college and then I got tired of going to school. Decided that I wanted to get a job got a job at the Oregon Talking Book Library and was responsible for Braille and audiobook production. And after working there for about five years, I said, you know, someday I really want to be the director of a Braille and Talking Book Library, but if I don't get a degree in library science, um, I won't get hired. I won't have that opportunity. So. I applied for a fellowship um, in library science and I won the competition and I went to Denton, Texas, which is right outside Dallas, and went to library school, got my master's degree in library science, and about three months later, Perkins reached out to me and said, we've heard about you and that you have a library science degree and you're blind and we want to hire you as our deputy director. Um, I took the job at Perkins and I was the assistant director there for about 15 years and then our director retired and I was promoted. So I've been the director at Perkins for the library for 15 years. I was just recognized for 30 years of service to Perkins. I started when I was two, of course. <laughs> so um, it's, uh, it's wonderful to be able to have the, the leeway and, and the ability to provide quality library services. So the Perkins Library serves about 25,000 people in Massachusetts, about 3,000 additional borrowers in um, other parts of New England. And we also do provide some direct services, which I'll talk about momentarily, to individuals who live in other parts of the country. I have 28 staff, about 175 volunteers helping us in our recording studio program. We produce about 125 books a year, several magazines, fee-for-service work. Some of you that listen to the ACB Braille Forum 
may hear some of my best narrators working. Um, the, it's, the ACB Braille Forum is recorded in the Perkins Studios. We do other magazines like Yankee Magazine. I know you guys probably wouldn't read Yankee Magazine, but <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, Your Dog, which is from Tufts Veterinary School, and it's a dog magazine um, with lots of great, it's a short, little short magazine, lots of great information. We do that in Braille and audio, and that is one of the magazines that we will sign individuals up for who live in other states, and you can get it directly from Perkins. So at the end, I'll give my email and my phone if anyone wants to sign up for any of the services that we will provide to individuals who live in other states. So, you know, we do all the basic NLS, regional library stuff, you know, DBs and RC books, you know, who, who's reading those still? But, you know, some folks are still using the cassettes because the book hasn't been converted over to digital yet. So we're still circulating a little bit of the cassettes, Braille. At Perkins, we also have large print books. Um, we provide that service. We also have audio described DVDs. Um, we have a pretty large collection. We've been doing it for a while, about 1,300 audio-described DVDs. Now, somebody last night was asking, you know, was talking about, was it um, Top Gun? Remember last night and what happens at the end? Well, without, <laughs> without audio description, um, you're not going to find out what happened at the end, but we have an audio-described copy of that movie. So if you haven't seen it, we also have two newsletters. Dots and Decibels is our general information newsletter. Comes out twice a year. And Per Kids, which is our kids' newsletter, specifically for juvenile patrons, teachers, parents, to help motivate their kids to um, participate in library services. We. Um, we also do, um, you know, I'm a pretty big advocate of audio description and in all of its varieties. So we have a, a weekly newsletter that we do that tells people about um, the movies and what are available in the movie theater with audio description, what's new, what's coming out. Um, and then they can find out the times in their, in their theater close to them. So we also um, have a couple loan programs that I've instituted. Um, we have a CCTV loan program because people kept calling Perkins and wanting to donate CCTVs or video magnifiers. They had bought it for their grandma. She used it for a year or two. Her vision got bad. She couldn't use it anymore. And they wanted it to continue to be useful to someone else. So we started with like one or two or three, and I'd find somebody who could benefit, and we'd place it. But they just kept coming. And so I, um, I decided, well, I think we'll kind of formalize this a little bit. So we have over 150 CCTVs placed with individuals who would not have had the resources 
to buy them. We're not covered by VR or any other program to get a CCTV. And we repair them once in a while, but individuals have to come and pick them up, and we show them how to use it. And they take it home, and it's on long-term loan, just like the digital player is, is loaned to someone who can use it. When they can't use it anymore, they um, contact us, and we arrange to get it back, and we loan it to someone else. So it's been very useful. We also have a Perkins Brailer loan program and a repair program. So anyone who has a Perkins Brailer can get it repaired for free if it's their personal Braille writer. If it's the Braille writer they use at the office, I won't fix that one for them. But if it's their home Brailler, it's kind of gotten a little, you know, dusty, dirty, keys are a little sluggish. Um, we will cover repairing it and getting it back up in working order, and we can loan you another one while yours is getting fixed. So, okay. He says, I have two minutes. That really means five or so, doesn't it? <laughs> How many of you in the room use BARD? Yay, okay. Um, so there's, BARD is our Braille and Audio Reading Download, um, and it's a wonderful service. Complements all the audio materials available on digital cartridge through the library, but you manage your library services. You download the books. Whether you use um, an iOS device, or now we have BARD for Android as well. And there was just an upgrade of BARD, BARD.1, 1.1, that just came out a, couple, a few weeks ago that is available. It has its biggest plus is that it has that sleep timer that you all were kind of saying, why can't the app have a sleep timer? So, um, so that's now available as well. Um, the library, we do Newsline, and we also provide access to our radio reading service program over Newsline. So if you live in an area where reception's a little iffy <laughs> in a lot of places around the country, if there's mountains or valleys, you're not going to get any Newsline. You're not going to get the radio reading service in those kind of areas. We put it on a channel on our news lines, so you can call with your phone and you get a clear signal for your radio reading service. So reference services as well. Let me, I'll wind up with reference services. You know, have you ever had a question where you wish you could just call and ask your friendly librarian? Well, we have a reference librarian on staff. Her job is to answer those questions to find resources in an accessible format for you, whether that's electronic or braille or large print. But, but I want to tell you about a resource that you all can use that will give you access to an on-demand reference librarian. And that's called InfoEyes. And InfoEyes is a consortium of four talking book libraries, Washington, Maryland, uh, Minnesota, and Massachusetts. So the three M's plus W. <laughs> so, um, and you can email infoeyes, I-N-F-O-E-Y-E-S dot org. Um, that's a website. There's a box, you know, on that website where you can submit a question to a librarian. 
and they will answer your questions, um, provide you resources, and the more information you give them, the better job they'll do. So that's an on-demand online reference service that you can have access to through um, infowise.org. So let me give you my contact information. The other magazine that we provide that um, anyone can subscribe to is called Perspectives. Perspectives is a, it comes out twice a year. It's a full-length magazine. It's available in email, large print, braille, or digital cartridge. And it's written by staff at Perkins. But it's really a good magazine. It kind of talks about trends and issues and delves into um, different stories. It's quite interesting. I really think it's pretty phenomenal. And the print version has wonderful photographs. People are always <laughs> telling me how great the pictures are. So we provide that in just about any format. And anyone anywhere in the country can subscribe to Perspectives in their chosen format. So to reach me at the Perkins Library, you can call 617-972-7700. Um, or you can email me, yes, 617-972-7240. Or you can email me at kim.charlson, so that's K-I-M dot C-H-A-R-L-S-O-N at Perkins dot org. All right, so remember, your dog for the dog guide users, perspectives for the rest of you, and we'd be happy to provide you with the services that we can from the Perkins Library. Thank you. Find books and more in accessible media with APH's free of charge Louis database. HTTP colon slash slash L-O-U-I-S dot APH dot org. Locate accessible educational materials from nearly 200 different agencies. APH products and textbooks can also be located using Louis. New extended searching now available with free Louis Plus. Visit soon. HTTP colon slash slash L-O-U-I-S dot APH dot org. Many book materials help Braille users jot notes quickly. Pull APH's mini-book Braille binder out of your pocket and begin to write on the mini-book slate in just seconds. Materials are sold separately so that you can choose the combination that's right for you. Call the American Printing House for the Blind, toll-free, 800-223-1839, or visit www.aph.org. Page three. I just want to say again how much I've enjoyed being here um, and being a part of your 50th anniversary celebration. You have a great ACB affiliate here in Kentucky. You have solid people. And isn't that really what ACB is all about, is our people. You have volunteers who are always willing to step up and help out when they when they're needed and they're they're members too but they're out there helping all of you guys I, I told Carla I said 
man, you guys have this buffet thing down really, really well. I mean, this is a room full of blind people and no one's like having a fit or I don't do buffets, you know. <laughs> you guys make it work. You make everybody comfortable with the assistance that the volunteers provide. Um, you just do a great job of taking a situation that isn't always comfortable for blind people and making it a really wonderful time. Not to mention that the food was darn good. <laughs> so, <laughs> I remember coming to Kentucky, the food is always good. When I was listening to Marguerite this morning, this was kind of funny. She was talking about how she was getting her, getting her old life back because she was able to go on trips and swim with stingrays and sharks and well I was like wow gosh I don't I don't know if I'd want that life you know <laughs> but and and play with kangaroos then I remembered that wait a second I did that I uh, had an opportunity <clears throat> when I was representing ACB for the World Blind Union um, in 2000 to go to Australia and um, I also took my dog with me, which is a pretty long trip for a dog to make to, to uh, Australia. But I had this wonderful opportunity to, to sit down with a loaf of bread. That wasn't the good part, but... <laughs> um, and it was like a loaf of Wonder Bread. And I sat down, and all of a sudden, in this um, nature reserve, all these little baby kangaroos came running into my lap and they ate bread right out of my hand. And the smallest one was about the size of a cat, full-grown cat. The biggest one was about the size of a guide dog, about a 50, 60-pound guide dog. Um, I know they get bigger than that, but you know, I would never have had an opportunity to touch and look at and feed kangaroos if it hadn't been for ACB. This past June, I represented ACB again at a World Blind Union meeting in Antigua in the Caribbean. Not a bad place to have to go when you got to go to a meeting. I mean, I'll, I'll acknowledge that. It was pretty darn nice. Um, <clears throat> so we had our World Blind Union meeting and then um, Brian and I took a couple extra days because you don't just go to the Caribbean and not take full advantage of it. And we went on an outing, and we went swimming with stingrays. And it was nothing like what you probably would imagine. You probably, <laughs> I had no clue what a stingray looks like. Yeah, I thought they were like these things with these stingers, these great big stingers, and they went around zapping everything under the water, you know, stingrays. Well, they're flat. They are... As, as Brian described it, he, uh, he said they're like a, a two-by-three-foot bath mat. They're, they're big and flat. They're about an inch thick, but they're totally flat. And they have like a, this little vacuum mouth on the bottom, and then they have a stinger out the back. And what they told us, the, the uh, people that ran the tour, were completely accepting of Brian and I coming. They didn't have a qualm. They said, we'll, we'll work with you. It's no problem. Don't worry about it. What they told everybody 
was when you go into the water, you don't lift your feet off the sand. You keep your feet around and you slide around. You shuffle your feet because the only time a stingray will attack is if something is coming down from above. So if you step on them, that's it, you're in trouble. So don't pick up your feet. So we shuffled around and, uh, you know, the, got to hold a stingray, got to feed a stingray. And that was kind of weird. It felt like this underwater vacuum cleaner sucking squid out of my hand, which was pretty weird. Usually my, my World Blind Union meetings are a, a little more, you know, decorous and not quite as many um, capers like that. But, but when she talked about doing those two things, um, it reminded me of my travels. And being ACB president, it's been almost two and a half years that I've been president. And there, and there still is so much excitement. People two years ago were so excited to be able to, you know, proud and excited because I was the first woman to be president of any blindness consumer advocacy organization in the United States. So it was a real, a real moment, particularly for ACB, to be the first organization to break the glass ceiling and, and have women in leadership. Now we had an executive director. That was a pretty good thing. But now we also have an elected president of our organization. And it means so much to me. And I have opportunities to talk to so many people about different things that they're going through. And what it makes me realize is that ACB is is really an organization that is diverse. We're, we're kind of like a flower. It might take a little time to blossom and to grow, but it will grow. And, and advocacy can be this way too. You know, you've probably worked on advocacy issues and you think about, we started working on this five years ago and we haven't gotten it done yet. Well, advocacy doesn't always come quickly. If we're fortunate, it'll happen. But it doesn't always happen quickly. We, um, you know, we have several examples of, of that. Um, some of our legislation that we're working on right now the, uh, the Medicare low vision device bill and the Cogswell Macy Act. We're in the second round of introducing these pieces of legislation in Congress. We have to work with congressmen to, to get the support we need on our issues when there's thousands of other organizations doing exactly the same thing we're doing. So advocacy doesn't always come quickly. I wish it did sometimes, especially in the case of the currency case. I, um, I had the opportunity Thursday night to uh, present an award 
to a young man named Connor McLeod. Connor McLeod is from Australia, he's from Sydney, and he's 14 years old. So when he, in uh, December of 2012, when um, Christmas Day, he was fortunate to get you know, several presents, the kind of presents most 14 or 12-year-olds at the time like to get, envelopes with cash in them. And he, um, the first time he got an envelope and he was wondering, he had to go to his parents and ask them, how much money did I get from Uncle Joe? Um, how much money did I get? So, so, And then he said, why should I have to come and ask you how much money I got? Why can't, why can't our money have marks on it so I could tell what I was getting for Christmas? So he he decided he wanted to do something about it. He and his mother and father, they went where all budding advocates go to find out more information, the internet, and they, they googled, you know, tactile currency, and they read about the American Council of the Blind and our long battle with the Bureau of Engraving and Printing to get U.S. currency accessible, that we won the lawsuit in 2008, we won the appeal in 2009, and we've been working for the last five years with the Bureau. They're doing research, they're testing. We want them to do it right. So um, two years ago, right after I was elected president, um, I went to Washington, D.C., and I had a face-to-face -face meeting with about Oh, a room full of about 20 people from the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. I thought I was going to meet with a couple staff. They had this conference room. They had every person from the Bureau there. I had me and Eric Bridges. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, they sat us down and proceeded to tell us how wonderful all the things were they were doing and, and, and you know, how great they were. After they introduced everybody, it was my turn to talk. And I said, while we appreciate all that you've done up to this point, blind people in this country still do not have access to paper currency. I want you, in the meantime, you're telling me we're not going to have tactile markings on our currency till the year 2020. That's not good enough. I want you to do something now to make it possible for blind people to identify their money. And they said, well, what do you want us to do? And I said, I want you to figure that out. I don't know what you can do, but you better do something or we're going to go back to court. <laughs> so I had no idea. They came back to me in six months and said, we put together a plan for the, the talking currency reader program and we're going to roll it out in July of 2014, is that acceptable to you? I said, yeah, I think that's acceptable in, you know, in the interim. I still want tactile markings because nobody's going to get a job handling money in a retail establishment if they have to use a talking currency reader to identify the money. They can't do it fast enough. So, um, so we got our talking currency reader program that rolled out last year. 
How many of you in this room have a talking currency reader? Clap your hands if you do. Good. Now, how many of you don't clap your hands? Okay, there's a few. All right, because I'm kind of on a, <clears throat> on a crusade. Um, I'm a little disappointed that the process for you now to get a currency reader is a little complicated. For last fall, at the same time last fall, all you would have to do is call your talking book library and say, I want to get a currency reader. And they'd say, okay, we'll put you on the list, and you get one. But starting in January, all the rules changed, and a, a library can complete the form for you. Many of them are not, because they said, why should we do that? It's not part of our program. So I've had some conversations with my librarian colleagues trying to tell them why shouldn't they do it, make it easier for people um, to get a currency reader. So if your library here in Kentucky is not filling out the forms for you, you contact me and I'll fill out the forms for you. My, my team at Perkins, um, we've, we've submitted probably over 2,000 applications for currency readers. And you know they believe in this, I believe in this. Um, if you don't get the support you need from your library, um, I'm happy to help you. Anyone who's blind, who doesn't have a currency reader, can apply um, for free to get a talking currency reader. And I don't want anyone in this country not to have one. The estimates were that they'd be distributing um, 300,000 currency readers in the first year. You know how many they've distributed? 30,000, that's all. There's a lot of blind people out there who don't know they can have a currency reader and don't know how to get one. So let, let's spread the word and help other people we know get access to the currency reader. Because ACB worked really hard to make it possible for us to start to have access to paper money. Connor McLeod was um, successful in his campaign. He reached out to the Reserve Bank of Australia, which is like our Federal Reserve Bank, and he presented to them why there should be tactile markings on bills. And beginning next year, when the Australian government rolls out um, a new design for their currency, they will include a tactile feature on their currency. So Connor was honored for his work and given the Hands-On Braille Literacy Award. And I was honored to present that award to him because of his connection um, reading about the American Council of the Blind. We never know how the things we do are going to touch other people's lives. And they really do. After I had presented the award and I was walking through the ballroom, going back to my seat, a man came up to me and he said, I'm so excited about your organization. I'm moving to New Jersey. Can I be a part of your organization in New Jersey? I want to help you guys. I said, well, that's fantastic. I said, come back to my seat with me and I'll give you my business card 
So I gave him my card and he said, I'll reach out to you when I get settled in New Jersey. I want to help. So we never know how people are going to respond to the things we do every day. Again, it's planting those seeds and making things happen, making change happen. Change really isn't a bad word. Change can be a good thing. And the more we tell our story and spread the word about what we do, the more benefits we'll see around us with people who we're trying to reach out to um, every day. Other people who aren't here tonight to know the fellowship and the support that they could receive from the Kentucky Council of the Blind and the American Council of the Blind. The things that we work on, and there's been a lot of issues we've worked on over the years. You know, there's talking ATMs. Remember the days when there was no ATMs, let alone talking ATMs? Ten years down the road, just about every ATM is accessible. We have detectable warnings to help us on train station platforms, curb cuts. Um, we have to work with our cities and towns sometimes to get them to put them in, just like accessible pedestrian signals. You know, I think we're seeing more success now with the cities and towns being willing to put in some accessible pedestrian signals because traveling as a pedestrian today is nothing like it was 10 years ago. People who I would know 10 years ago would just strike out and go, go for it and wouldn't worry about things are now thinking twice about walking a certain distance because there's a lot of crossings and drivers are insane. They just don't think. They don't look, they don't watch. We're supposed to watch for them. What happened, you know? That's not the world I knew. So there's a lot of changes. And we all kind of grouse about paratransit, but we're seeing an increase in the use of paratransit because it's so much harder to be a pedestrian these days, to navigate our environment safely. So we continue. I've talked to several people here today who are involved with your paratransit organization and what it can do and does for so many folks in this area. You know, where would we be without that service? In addition, we should still have access to the fixed route system, but paratransit is sometimes all there is for many of our members who don't have the confidence or the skills to travel independently. I talked today about um, talking accessible prescription labels. Five years ago, we didn't have those. A new level of accessibility and something that's so important to every single one of us. Access to our, our medical um, information, our medications, knowing how to take them, what the um, reactions or side effects could potentially be, knowing all those details is so important. 
One of the most important things to me that I've done as far as advocacy work goes in ACB is work with um, Sue Amateur, who is the chair of the ACB Health Issues Task Force, and her efforts to get more accessible information available for people on aspects of cancer. She was diagnosed with breast cancer and could find nothing to answer her questions. Um, she advocated with uh, National Braille Press. They produced a book on questions you should ask your physician about breast cancer, and they did the same thing for questions you should ask your physician about prostate cancer. Two of the most common forms of cancer, readily treatable if detected early enough. And she came up with the funding and I was very, very proud to work with her in support of a structured negotiation that ACB did with the American Cancer Society. And that structured negotiation was to get the American Cancer Society to make their publications accessible for people who are blind or visually impaired who need current up-to-date information about cancer and its treatment. Little did I know that after that advocacy work with Sue, that in um, April of 2013, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I went through treatment and um, while I decided to run for president, many people told me I was crazy, but I did it because it was so important to me. I did my treatments. I'm now one year complete in remission with breast cancer. So I'm a survivor, and I plan to be a survivor for a long time. Cancer touches so many of our lives. Everyone in this room is either had or had family or friends who have been touched by cancer. So the fact that ACB believed it was important enough to work on advocacy to make more information available about this subject for our members really shows that we believe in all aspects of the lives of people who are blind or visually impaired. We're not all about kids, but we work with kids. We're not all about elders, but we do work with elders. We work with people looking for jobs. We look for people who are newly blind to help them. ACB's strength is in our diversity. An issue that we advocate on may not impact you personally, but there are always thousands of other people who are going to benefit from the work we do every day. We are, we're like the, the plant and the seeds that blow in the wind, that the more the wind go, blows, the seeds spread and they land and they grow into new plants and new flowers. And that's really what every day of our lives is like. We don't know who we'll touch as we go through our day, but the encounters we have with other people who are blind or visually impaired 
or the sighted community make a real difference. You never know whose life you're going to touch and how you're going to impact them until something happens. So let me tell you one last story. This week, um, this will touch Carla's heart as the treasurer of ACB. The, uh, you know, we, we have committees that talk about planned giving and monthly monetary support and all the things that we do to raise money. Um, planned giving is, you know, estates, leaving money to ACB in your will, which we think is a really wonderful thing. Most of the time, we never know who the people are who leave us money. But this week, ACB and, and our CFO had told us for many months, he said, we have a bequest coming. It's around $99,000, and it'll be coming soon. It'll be coming soon. So it arrived, the check arrived, and he told us that we had received the check for $99,000 from the estate of Esther Conley in Watertown, Massachusetts. So I was surprised, to say the least, because I knew Esther. Esther was an 88-year-old woman who um, lost all of her vision. She was partially sighted all her life. She was a Randolph Shepard vendor. At age 55, she woke up one day, and she was totally blind. So she learned Braille. She kept her stand running. She worked hard all her life till she retired. I never knew that I made an impression on Esther. I helped her get her books, get Braille materials, but she was a fighter and she loved advocacy battles. And I didn't know that those alerts that I'd send out on the email list, she'd grab those and she'd call her congressman and she'd advocate for those things that I was saying, please call your congressman. I had no idea until this week when she left ACB nearly $100,000 that I made an impression on her life. So you never know what you do every day, how, how that's all going to impact people in your lives. So my guidance and my advice to you is to take every day as it comes, do your best, be an advocate for yourself and for other people who are blind, and who knows what the benefits will be that you'll reap or your organization will benefit in the future. Um, congratulations to the Kentucky Council of the Blind for 50 years of wonderful advocacy and service, and here's hoping to 50 more terrific years for KCB. Thank you very much. Page four, the Sound Prince calendar. On January 7, ACB Lions will hold their first conference call of the year at 9 p.m. Call 712-432-3900 and enter code 796096. Blind Lions from throughout the United States are invited to attend the call. 
January 8 will be the first GLCB roundabout of the year and the format's a little different. Education and technology activities will take place between 3 and 5 p.m. Dinner for this one time will be between 5 and 5.15 and then at 7 p.m. we'll be attending a show presented by Michael Cleveland and his bluegrass band at the Letter Song Calligraphy Studio and Gallery at 1501 Story Avenue in Louisville. Tickets are $10 a person, doors open at 7 p.m., and GLCB will provide the transportation from the roundabout to the show. For more information, call 502-895-4598. It is very important that you sign up for this activity in advance. On January 9, the GLCB board will meet at 11 a.m. on the conference line at 605-475-6006. The code is 294444. On January 10, the KCB Next Generation will hold a conference call meeting at 8 p.m. on the conference line at 605-475-6006, code 294444. January 11 is the Kentucky School for the Blind Advisory Board meeting from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Kentucky School for the Blind, 1867 Frankfort Avenue in Louisville. Call the school at 502-897-1583 for more information. January 11 has several events. The Bluegrass Council of the Blind will hold a fundraiser from 10.30 a.m. to 10 p.m. at City Barbecue, 2187 Harrodsburg Road in Lexington. A flyer is available from the BCB office or on their website. And when you present the flyer, the Bluegrass Council will receive 25% of the dine-in or carry-out order. BCB will also be holding their community outing that evening from 5 to 6.30 at the restaurant. For more information, call Bluegrass Council at 859-259-1834. On January 12th, Bluegrass Council will hold a health initiative meeting at their office at 1093 South Broadway in Lexington from 1 to 3 p.m. The presentation will be by the Kidney Health Alliance of Kentucky. And the topic, of course, will be kidney disease and will include free screenings. For more information, call Bluegrass Council at 859-259-1834. Also on January 12, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will hold their next meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. Call Rick Bogus 270-684-4418 or Bill Roberts at 270-485-8170 for more information. On January 14, Join the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind at 7 p.m. by conference call 605-475-4700 and enter code 155619. On January 15, GLCB will hold a roundabout at United Crescent Hill Ministries at the normal time, 3.30 to 5 for education and technology, discussion from 5 to 6, dinner 6 to 7, and games and crafts from 7 to 10. Dinner is $5 per person. On January 16, GLCB will have a dine-out from 2 to 4.30 p.m. at the IHOP at 1220 Veterans Parkway in Clarksville, Indiana. Call us to make reservations at 502-895-4598. 
January 17 is the next KSB Alumni Board Meeting at 8 p.m. And on January 18 is the next KCB Board Meeting at 8 p.m. And they are both on the conference line at 605-475-6006, code 294444. On January 19, the Tri-State Library users will hold an in-person dinner meeting from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. This will include chapter elections and will be at Logan's Roadhouse, 5005 Shelbyville Road in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 to let us know you'll be attending. On January 22, the Statewide Rehabilitation Council, SRC, will meet at the Charles McDowell Center from 9.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. The McDowell Center is 8412 Westport Road in Louisville. Contact Jennifer Wright at 502-564-4754. On January 22 is also a GLCB roundabout, and this time it will include bingo and pizza. 3.30 to 6, Education and Technology and Discussion. 6 p.m. will be pizza and games, crafts, and bingo from 7 to 10 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 State Street in Louisville. January 22 and 23 is the NCASB Wrestling and Cheerleading Conference Championships. They are hosted by the Kentucky School for the Blind and will be at 1867 Frankfurt Avenue in Louisville. Call Kyle Sosha, Athletic Director at the school at 502-897-1583 for more details. On January 23, the APH Museum presents Helen Keller. This is your life from 1 to 3 p.m. Meet the woman who forever changed the world for people with disabilities. As we recreate the set of the famous 1950s television show, you'll learn the story of Helen's life beyond the famous incident at the water pump. It's at the APH Museum, 1839 Frankfurt Avenue in Louisville. Reservations are required. Call 502-899-2213. On January 24, ACB Families invites everyone to participate in our 2016 Tax Tips Teleconference. It's at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. By phone, you'll learn tax tips for people with disabilities, and it's open to all. The number is 605-475-6333, enter code 1711553. On January 25, Guide Dog Users of Kentucky have their next membership conference call at 7 p.m. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. On January 27, the Bluegrass Council will have their peer support group meeting for the month. It's from 12 noon to 2 p.m. and the speaker is Jenny Ward, Independent Living Coordinator for the Kentucky Office for the Blind. It will be at the BCB office. Call them at 859 859- Two five nine one eight three four for more information. And on January twenty nine is the last GLCB roundabout for January, three thirty to six p.m. for education and technology dinner five dollars per person at six fifteen, cards and crafts seven to ten at United Crescent Hill Ministries. Call for information at five zero two eight nine five four five nine eight. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. 
Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prince. Have a great week, everybody.